And basically what we're going to do is each of you, we're going to start from the beginning, letter A, with election. And you're going to give a kind of real quick summary for those first few that have gone. And then we'll continue um, when we get to where we are right now, which I keep forgetting which one. Conversion. Conversion, we'll start that one for the first time. But let's go ahead and see election group. What? Give us a quick summary. What did we learn last week? What did we talk about last week with election? Do you want me to read the definition? Or? Yes, okay. sure. So with the definition, it says, Election is an act of God before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved, not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. So based on the verses below, um, we saw that we were appointed. Um, Esau and Jacob were um, said that they were going to hate each other before they were born, or God loved one. Yeah, God loved one and hated the other before they were born. Um, it's before the foundation of the world, and that God has called us and saved us not according to um, not according to our works. So, um, how can this doctrine be a comfort to counselees? Um, the Lord carries our salvation, not us. It's not a work-based salvation. Um, and it's an assurance of God's love despite our sin. Mm -hmm. And then how can it be warped or twisted? Um, we can think that, oh, we don't have to share the gospel because the Lord saves people. We don't, so it doesn't matter, which isn't true. Um, it can create a lack of compassion for the lost. And then it's a tool of division among mm -hmm. believers of, of mm -hmm. you know, which side are you on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. I think that the... The one that kind of gets people upset is like the timing when we talk about before the foundation of the, the, the world. And that example that Paul gives of Jacob and Esau, that before they were born, God told them. So before they had a chance to do good or bad, they were in the womb and God chose, he elected Jacob. So that, that, and that bothers <coughs> people because we have that kind of that human perspective of we're all good. Why does God love some and, and not others? Well, and, and we saw, talked about last week. The truth is, biblically, it, is that all are wicked. No one is righteous, not even one. Romans 3, right? So um, when, we, when we have a right view of humanity, then the fact that, that God chose to save anyone is stunning to us. It is a beautiful act of mercy and grace and love. So thank you very much, group. Uh, let's go to... Number, letter B, calling. We have the general call and we have the effective call. We did both this time. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so, what's the general call? General call is the proclamation of the gospel, which goes out to everyone who hears that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, who has accomplished redemption for all who believe. And uh, it can be a comfort to counselees, um, and it's rest to the weary, uh, repent, be baptized, forgiven, guilt lifted, and. Uh, uh, promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So, and then the warped. Uh, it could be emotional and superficial. Uh, you know, say the words, save, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit, no change, mm -hmm. no, no life change. And the effective call is uh, the effective call is the work of God to summon the elect to follow Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, so Corinthians, God is faithful. Uh, he doesn't call the smartest or the richest mm -hmm. or the most powerful. Um, set apart from before time, Galatians, uh, First Peter, priesthood uh, purposes to proclaim uh, Christ, and 
and uh, be diligent in your calling, which your calling is to proclaim Christ. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and you will not fail. Um, a comfort, you know, is that we're set apart and God is faithful to to save us. Um, and it can be warped or twisted in, you know, like maybe a workspace or, or, or again, go back to the simple prayer, no change. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Good. Yeah, so with the election, it was before the, the foundation of the world. This is before we were born. Um, the calling is in time. How does God then accomplish that salvation? Well, he calls, and, he, and there's the general call um, where, hey, the gospel is preached and people hear it, but that doesn't mean that they're going to, to repent and believe. Um, but if you are saved, if you are the elect, you will be. That's the effectual call. He does not intend to save somebody and then they just never respond. That's not how God works. He is sovereign and he will make that happen. So he effectually calls his elect. And so that's kind of that end time thing. Very good. So next we are at regener... Nope. Yes, regeneration. Uh, regeneration is a sovereign invisible, and invisible work of God the Holy Spirit, transforming us from people who are opposed to Him to people who love Him. And uh, in Scripture, it basically talks about putting on a new heart, um, a new spirit, a heart of flesh, and removing the uh, heart of stone, um, and giving you the ability to observe the ordin ordinances and, and walking in His statutes. Um, Basically, um, let's see, and, and not that it's by anything that you've done, so not by deeds, uh, it's by His mercy and regener uh, that we uh, are regenerated. Um, so how can this be a comfort to counselees? Basically, um, you know, that you would have the ability to follow that word, uh, to, to know it and understand it, uh, that the old can be, be gone, uh, and that positive change is coming. And um, and then just to relieve that there's nothing that you've, you've done, but also that nothing you have to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's it's by His mercy. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few of the ways to be warped or twisted would be uh, you know just just to think that you know by hearing these words that you've got a new heart. So uh, not fully understanding what it means or you know to be a believer, um, and then that perhaps um, you know that there would no longer be any more sin in your life uh, by hearing these words. So, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so this is, this is the truth that if, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have been given a new heart that desires to please and obey the Lord. Excellent. Now we're ready for conversion. Where is the conversion group? Letter D. All right, Will. Alright, is based on definition on page one of faith. Saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living personal for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life with God. And the verses, first of all, that depends on our obedience through repentance. And repentance and belief were two sides of the same coin. It's kind of similar to regeneration, I think, when we were talking. A lot of these overlap. You have to have both. Repentance and belief. And so the verses were Acts 2.38, 17.30, which talks about repenting, being baptized, uh, and trusting the Lord and following through with that. And Romans 2.4 is the verse that says kindness. His kindness leads to our repentance. Uh, and in John 
this is more talking about the belief side of the coin, written to believe, that we were to believe and have life in his name. And Romans 4, 3 is <coughs> talking about Abraham who believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. So how can this doctrine be a comfort to counselees? Um, first of all, it's, uh, he chooses us. It's not dependent on our works. Um, we can be forgiven. It's not just words, but we can also experience the forgiveness through Christ's atonement. It's a simple trust, ongoing process of the Holy Spirit working in us and that we can be transformed and converted to walk in repentance. Also, um, the Bible is our handbook. It's not man's wisdom. So it's not dependent upon people's uh, philosophy, but it's on the Word of God, which transforms. And how can this doctrine be warped or twisted? Um, if they have the wrong belief, they have the wrong Jesus, uh, and they're not going to really come to re true repentance then. And they can also have a more of a social gospel where uh, one side is, okay, you just believe mental assent only. <coughs> and someone said you can be sincere, but you can also be sincerely wrong if you have the wrong idea of who Jesus is. And repentance is, uh, then you have guilt without realizing forgiveness. You're always trying to uh, come to this point where you feel this forgiveness, kind of like the Catholic confession, get your slate clean so you can dirty again. Um, and that social gospel is, it just works then. It has to work to earn God's favor, to be a good Christian, to start comparing yourself to others, um, become spiritual, not religious, and it goes into that area. Uh, kind of a good works mentality that says what would Jesus do rather than what did Jesus say and I've heard that before with teens where they say Jesus loves me no matter what I'm saved, I'm going to heaven so I can do whatever I please mm -hmm. so those are just some things I tried yeah, yeah. Right. and this is in the, in the lineup of all of the things that we're studying all the parts of, of saving faith this is the first time that requires something of us, of the person if you, you, you see an, an election that it was God's sovereign decision to set his love on some people, right? That is his decision. Not because some of us were good, better than others. Some of us were smarter than others. Some of us had more talents. Because he wanted to in his, that's in the mystery of, of God. I'm not sure why God saved me. I don't know. I'm, yikes. I wouldn't have chose me, <laughs> okay? So, we don't know that. That's, a, that's election. Then he calls us by his sovereign uh, power. He makes that calling, the, the gospel message that goes out, he makes that attractive to his people. Right? So he calls us. Um, the conversion is where, okay, oh, sorry, the regeneration. He gives us the heart. If he hasn't regenerated us, we don't want this. We don't want to turn away from our sin. We don't want to forsake it. We don't want to put our faith in him. The conversion is the first thing that, that we are called to do. The calling is to trust in Jesus alone. It is to repent and forsake your sins because he has paid for them and in him, we were going to talk about justification in a minute, but this is the first time where we have uh, people have to do something. Okay. Um, so anyone else have any uh, thoughts on 
how, how this doctrine can be a comfort. One and, and Will said basically the same thing. Um, I think one, thing, one way it can be really comforting is it's not some kind of elaborate ritual or you, you, it's not complicated. It's not like you have to have a certain IQ level or a certain experience or a certain uh, age before you can put your faith in Christ. Um, it, it is not easy. In fact, it is impossible if you haven't been regenerated. If the Holy Spirit has not done it, you cannot put your faith in Christ and repent. So the other, the other things are, it just keeps building. So the conversion is, is those who God elected and those who he called to himself and he regenerates their hearts, gives them a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And now we can respond in faith. We can repent of our sins. And that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. <coughs> Real quick, like you're talking about conversion mm-hmm. and God initiated the conversion, and Will brought up the Catholic conversion. And I was trying to compare the two. Give me a definition of a Catholic conversion. Got a guy, guy's going to join the Catholic Church. He wants mm-hmm. to be converted Catholic. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that entail? You, I, mean, so, I think it's just a system. You, you just brought it up right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It's a, I don't want to elaborate, but different thing. Conversion by God, initiated by Him. Personally, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a Catholic. I'm going to convert into Catholicism. Mm-hmm. What's that entail? What's a Catholic converted person? And, and we could, we could, it, all false religions, right? They're going to have you do things. So you have to say certain prayers. You have to uh, do certain things. At, like for you've got mass that you've got to go to, and that if you miss it, that's that's a sin. Like there's there's a lot of things, and we can again we can throw in all kinds of other false religions, but there are works that are necessary for you to be saved, for you to earn righteousness. You've got to build up your righteous resume to see if you're good enough. Um, There are things that you need to do to earn that favor from God. But if I do my liberties, I have my party on Saturday nights for as long as I make mass. But I did the, yeah, but then I was... I, w- I did my things, right? I, I prayed the certain prayers that I had to pray, and I, I did my time, and so now I'm good. No regeneration of the heart, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah, right. That's, a, that's a good good discussion. We can, Yeah, there's a lot there, too, and a lot of people who are more knowledgeable than I am on, on uh, Catholicism. But, yeah, all, all of those false religions have... Um, central element of you've got to earn it. It depends on you to earn that um, that righteousness so that you can go to heaven or go to um, you know, depending on the, the religion but the, the nice thing that you want at the end of your life, you've got to earn that. You've got to work your way up. You've got to know enough things and you've got to do enough things. I think there's a little tension here. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd probably in each one, actually, mm-hmm. as Tyson would say. Um, so like, even faith itself is a gift, mm-hmm. and even repentance is granted by God, mm-hmm. and both of those are needed in conversion. So that's on one side of the coin where even that is by, you know, Titus talks about how repentance is even granted mm-hmm. to us by God. Um, and I think the, the other side of the coin is that we do believe. It's just saying, yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. You are Lord and I am not Lord, mm-hmm. right? And I will be obedient to you. So that conversion is 
that moment of, yes, I will submit to you. Mm -hmm. And that brings hope to counselees that there can be change. Like, oh, okay. I just, like, like the false um, ideas earlier would be, well, I'm not chosen by God, so I can't, I can't change. Mm -hmm. So I think there's great hope that there, you can be converted through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can believe. Very good. Any other thoughts? All right, ready for justification then. in the back. Justification is based on the work of Jesus Christ and his response of God to repentant faith, where he makes a legal declaration of his elect or forgiven sin and possess his own righteousness. And we looked at those two uh, verses to uh, sections that you refer to. Romans 4, 5 says, but to him that doesn't work, but believes on him that justifies him godly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So there's where faith and justification interact. So it's interesting that it's God who justifies the ungodly in that, in that verse. And Romans 8, 33 says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God that justifies. So we brought out of that that it is God who justifies to the one who doesn't work but believes on him who justifies the God. So it's not a works-based salvation. How can this doctrine be a comfort to counselees? I think the first thing that came to everybody's mind was Romans 8.1. Uh, there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. They have peace with God. So there's no condemnation. There's peace with God. There's no guilt. I think the psalm is saying about Christ alone where it says no guilt in life, no fear in death. So there's no fear, no guilt, no condemnation. It's a comfort. Uh, there's peace with God, as we said. Uh, there's comfort in knowing that it's fully paid for by Christ, that it's not to the one who works that tries to earn, but to the one who believes that Christ has fully paid for it. Not just for our sins, but also for our right standing before God and righteousness that he imputes to us. So how can this doctrine be warped or twisted? It's kind of been mentioned before, but can become um, a license to sin. Like Paul, after Romans 4, 5, we have Romans 6, 1, it says, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? And grace may abound, God forbid. So there should be this idea that, well, I'm justified, I'm, I'm saved, now I can live however I want. And it must have been tempting to them because in Galatians he also writes that you've been called to liberty, only don't use this liberty as an occasion of the flesh. So that's a way to, to warp or twist the scripture. I think it's very common for all of us. So that's kind of the, the main things. Anybody in the group here have anything to add? Yeah. Other, other comments about uh, from other groups? Justification? <coughs> how it may be a comfort to people? I like that. that Romans eight thirty three through four. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? He's the judge. He's the one who passes the judgment on everyone, and he has justified you. 
Like that, that is a huge comfort. Because we're going to sin after conversion. So as, as we're believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, justification comforts us in that I'm not, yeah, I just messed that up, but that doesn't mean that I'm no longer justified because my justification is not based on me <coughs> and me being perfect. It's based on the perfection of Jesus Christ. As it is wonderful, wonderful blessing. There's also like a really big difference between um, like false religions and the way that they have to be mm-hmm. um, forgiven of their sins versus the way that Christians are forgiven. Mm-hmm. I just find that interesting. Like it's very easy. You just go to Christ and ask for forgiveness. These other religions have this process that you have mm-hmm. to go through and these hoops you have to jump through. Yeah, yeah, and reach enlightenment of some kind, or you have to um, punish yourself. You have to, yeah. I mean, we think of Catholicism. You, you've got the confession. You've got the the penance that you have to do, and then and then even after you've done all those things, you've still you've got purgatory, and there, that's that's all working at. It's not faith. It's not trusting in Jesus alone. Trusting in Jesus, because we do, they would say, yeah, Catholics would say, we do need Jesus. You can't be saved without Jesus. But you also, I mean, that's not enough. He wants you to meet him. He wants you to work together with him to justify yourself. And that's, that's heresy. I like that we possess his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Any other comments? Okay. Um, adoption. Who's that group? Um, so, yeah, we have adoption. Groom says adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Um, John 1 12 talks about how we have the right to become children of God. Hebrews 12 7 through 11 um, says that, you know, if we're disciplined, we're disciplined as sons, which means that we're not illegitimate children. And then we especially like Romans 8, 14 through 15, so we're going to read that one more faster. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery, you fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by the Lord Christ, Father, Father. So how can this doctrine be a comfort to counselees? Um, basically, we are adopted as sons. We have all the rights of sons that daughters don't necessarily have. Um, because adoption is based on God's gracious choice, we can't earn it. Um, we also can't lose it. So we can't be disowned. Uh, we're secure. It's not based on merit. Um, we can't be put out as sons no matter what we do. Um, our Father is always going to welcome us back. Um, we have the hope of an inheritance of spiritual blessings. We have intimacy with the Father. Um, and then the Father also takes on responsibility in this. Like he promises to love, provide, and discipline us. Mm-hmm. And then how can this doctrine be warped or twisted? Um, some people can wrongly say, well, we're on equal footing with Christ, and that means we are God too. Um, so that's a possibility there. Um, but we really focused in on misunderstanding of discipline. Um, so some people might think that you know, if they've messed up, there's no coming back from it, um, that they're always going to be under the Lord's discipline, that he's going to put them out. We might wrongly compare to earthly sinful fathers um, and how they discipline. Um, we thought about fathers who misuse scripture in their discipline um, to, make, um, to be too harsh or sinful in that way. 
And we also said that some people might think that, um, or this, um, some people might assume they're saved when they really aren't. They might think, oh, I'm under the worst discipline here when maybe, um, you know, they're just experiencing something hard in life. about whether we're under God's discipline or are we under his wrath. Those are the, those are the two <coughs> possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the one way that this is warped and twisted and it's so difficult to detect is even uh, if we had the best of earthly fathers, sometimes we um, associate too closely. So when, when <coughs> I, as a father, <laughs> don't father my children well. And part of that, like, that gives a little bit extra emphasis on the importance of me as a father being a godly man and a godly leader of my home because I am their first kind of perception of God. And if I mess that up, if I am selfish and I am proud and I am you know, law and, and no grace and no mercy, I'm, I'm doing something that's going to make it more difficult for my children. Right? And, and we all can probably think of times when our fathers didn't do something correctly or didn't do it the right way. Um, and so that can kind of affect how we view God as our father. So that's, that's a good one. Other comments about how it's either, oh yes, we had a second group. You guys had adoption as well. Did you have, want to add anything to that? I think, you know, as a Christian, you're, um, when we are at enmity with the world, and the world is at enmity with Christians, and that can be alienating. There's obviously far more, if the path is narrow, it's not a wide path, there's not many on it. There's a small remnant, and, and that can be alienating, and you can feel alone, but this idea of adoption, knowing that there is security, you are indeed a part of God's family. You you do belong. You're not you're not on your own. You're not by yourself. Um, that brings security and comfort. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Did they read Galatians? And they did. I think. Okay. You did? No. no. Uh, it was just similar. <laughs> Galatians four uh, four says, uh, talking really in the context of being a slave. Um, as an illustration of slave to sin, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So there's a promise there. We're, we're no longer slaves to sin. We've been adopted into God's family. We have Christ's righteousness. Mm-hmm. A lot of comfort there. And all the privileges and blessings yeah. that, that are coming in the future because of that. I think, too, if for those of us that had abusive fathers, you know, we have a father who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. A father who keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. You know, which it, that's, there's so much comfort in that. And another thing, too, I mean, if we. Um, if we have feelings that we don't belong because of our background or because of the background of our family or whatever, in God's family, we are all equal. 
you know, with one another. There's no caste <coughs> system in Christianity like there is in so many other religions. That's great. All right, move to sanctification. So, sanctification, um, Courtney Lambert, is sanctification is the lifelong process in which Christians strive by divine grace to grow in Christ likeness in their entire person. Um, so, we read through all the, um, the scriptures and then. Uh, um, Listed there below and chose uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 to read for this. Um, so, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance for all endurance, um, endurance and patience with joy. Um, so, how can this doctrine be a comfort to counselees? Um, it says there in, in Colossians 10 11 that um, they're bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. And so that could be a comfort because it, it implies that you're not necessarily there once you start your journey because you're, you're justified and then sanctification begins. So it's a journey. It's not expected of you to know everything and demonstrate everything right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And that takes an enormous weight off the person that's dealing with something. Um, One way that it can, this doc, doctrine can be warped or twisted on the converse is, it's been mentioned heavily, is it can become reliant on works and self. Your self-righteousness, mm -hmm. look what I've done, look at the things that I'm producing. And it's reliant on observing all of those good works, which God does see as good, but saying that it's mine and it's my glory for me. That can be the way that it's a, mis a misunderstanding of the doctrine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can lead down a very terrible road. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, very good. Comforting in that you know, we, we are now on a, on a process and we're going to be more and more like Jesus the longer we live. And it's just, that's a wonderful thing. It's also a, I think, where it can be warped is that if you sometimes it's common to say, okay, I need faith in Jesus to be saved, and then it's up to me. So yeah, so yeah, he justified me, but now it's on me, and I've got to do it. Well, you cannot start the process of sanctification without the Spirit. Like We still are just as dependent on his Spirit to give us strength and endurance to become like Jesus. To your point, um, I think that one of the biggest ways that justification and sanctification get confused is that people kind of combine them together. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what we're seeing in the Catholic Church and a lot of other um, false religions where they kind of um, 
they, they kind of say you're justified by your sanctification instead of you're justified by Christ and then through the works of the Spirit you work towards sanctification or mm-hmm. work on sanctification um, so those two kind of get combined and worked together a lot right yeah and this is another one that, that does require something of us this is not um, only the work of God like election is uh, um, sanctification, we do work, right? So uh, Philippians 2, 12, right? We all know this one. Um, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have all, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but, all, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, and 13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we need God to be working in us, but we are expected, commanded, to work that out with fear and trembling. So that's, this is another one where um, we don't earn our salvation, but we do work. Right? Ephesians 2.10 also. We were saved by grace through faith. It's a gift from God for good works. We're walking in good works that he has prepared beforehand. So, very good. Any other comments on sanctification? Yeah, Brooks' point—it's really, it's really the defining doctrine of the Protestant Church, mm-hmm. Protestant believers that justification precedes sanctification. It's a one-time event. Justification, instead of all false religions, it's sanctification. Then I can be justified. Mm-hmm. And that's where the confusion comes in in the counseling room. Oftentimes, people are working in sanctification for the purpose of justification, but that's backwards. Mm-hmm. So once you get that figured out, it's like, oh, yeah, what is the purpose of sanctification? I'll not be justified. Right. Become like Christ. Live in those good works that he's called us to, to walk, walk in. So. Yeah. And there's a joy in that work. Yeah. After you know you've been justified, it is a joy to become more like Christ. Even though it's hard work, it's killing sin, it's repenting, it's falling and getting back up but if it's the other way around, there's not joy in that. There's fear in that. If you think you're sanctifying yourself so that you can be justified, it's, I really hope I did enough. And I hope that I can build up enough of my own righteousness to where God will be like, nah, okay, that's fine. That's enough. But not very important. All right, and we've got perseverance. The last one. Oh, wait, did I skip one? Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> Perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives, and that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. Uh, verses we read in on John, 38, John 6, 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Um, so how can this doctrine be a comfort to the counseling? I think um, when someone feels that they can't go on, reading John 6, 38, knowing that it's the will of God that 
Christ will do to none of us. And even in the definition, will be kept by God's power. It's not. It's not totally dependent on us and our will and our strength on any given day. Perseverance is is helped by God. And on the flip side, like like a lot of the other ones before us, we read the other way. If we don't look at Hebrews three fourteen, which was one of the other ones, and I'll actually start at twelve. Uh, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So that gives a little bit on us, on to us as well. Mm-hmm. So there are there is a responsibility of us to be part of perseverance. And again, like the other one, we can go one side or another we can say it's all God and we can be lazy about it mm-hmm. and say it's all me and take out of the equation mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah I love the, the John passage the, if you're in the Father's hand nobody can take you out you can't take you out so that's that's wonderfully comforting and also I mean the, the warning passages in Hebrews are hey Make sure, and and in uh, Peter as well. Make your calling and election. Do make sure you're growing in these things. Pay attention to these things. Hmm. Keep a watch on yourself. Yeah, it's great. I think it's interesting with that one. One of the ways the Lord does preserve us is by giving us warnings. Mm-hmm. So, like with the first uh, in Second Corinthians with the Corinth church, Paul. I, says examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to the church. Mm-hmm. He's talking to, you know, believers. You know, and <coughs> check, test yourself and see. So that doesn't negate our assurance of faith. Mm-hmm. It actually should help solidify it because mm-hmm. then you see the fruit and like, oh yeah, I am a believer. So heeding the warnings to examine ourselves is actually a way to mm-hmm. persevere in the faith. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's great when we've talked about, um, well, if, if certain people are elect, then I don't really need to preach the gospel. Well, well, no, God decided that he was going to save people by people preaching the gospel, and he was going to work in that. Well, in the same way, how does, how does God cause you to persevere? One of the ways is he gives you warnings of what happens if you don't, right? So if you stray, if you don't hold fast to the word, you don't hold fast to the gospel, you start to rely on yourself. Those are the warning passages that the elect pay attention to, and that is how God is helping us persevere. He is persevering us, and that and warning passages are a key part of how He does that in His work. Let's see, let's see if we can get glorification. Who's where's that group? That is us. Okay. All right. Um, the complete perfection of believers in body and soul at the return of Jesus Christ. In our verses, First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty-five to forty-nine, um, is about the resurrection body. Uh, point out a couple, and what you sow is not. Excuse me, and what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Uh, and then a little bit later, so is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Um, and. Uh, and I guess the other verse um, from Philippians 3, 20 to 21. Um, but, with our citizens, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it 
we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. And, uh, so, um, how would that um, give comfort to counselees? Um, so that it would give them hope. Um, as a believer, this is the worst it can be. Um, and in the uh, view of eternity, all of this world is temporary. That. Um, and then, um, how could it be warped and twisted? Um, you, can, you can kind of, you can be, instead of being focused on you know, eternity or Jesus, you can be focused on yourself and mm-hmm. you know, working out isn't a bad thing, but you can make it a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that would be that I'm getting a new body, so let's just, you know, I can do whatever, I can mm-hmm. put whatever oh, that yeah. I want, treat how I want, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's the, that can be bad in that side of it, too. Yeah, I think, yeah, this, it's commonly just neglected a lot of times. We have to think about glorification. Um, let me read one, one verse to, to wrap up here. Romans 8. Um, 828 is where we we all know that one, right? It's, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that it, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorified is a future thing. We're looking forward to it, but it's, it is... <coughs> done. It is, it is guaranteed. There's no, in that chain of salvation, there's promises that God gives to his people. Nobody falls out or drops off somewhere in the middle. If you are predestined, you are going to be glorified. So that, that is a wonderful, wonderful truth. So, next week, we're going to talk a little bit. Oh no, next week we don't have Sunday school. Yes, because it's uh, Easter. Uh, but the week after, we'll talk about, now, so what is this, how does this impact our counsel that we give, our counsel to our own hearts and ourselves? What do we, how does this a- affect how I battle my particular sins? Whether that's anxiety, or is it um, fear of man? Is it laziness, selfishness, lust? There's a whole, I mean, we can go through all of those, all of the list of sins that we can find. And how does faith help us fight those things? That's what we're going to be talking about next, next time we meet.